0: You know, you can tell a lot about a person by where they get their news. Uh, If People are on the one side of the political spectrum. They tend to get their news from one source. If they're on the other side, then they tend to get it from another source. Where do you get your news? And who's your favorite news reporter? You know, many people don't realize this, but Jesus was actually in the news business. Uh, My wife's favorite source for news is a great looking reporter. He's a muscular guy who's strong and sensitive, has great big white teeth, a very soothing voice, and dresses like a million dollars. He's my wife's favorite news reporter. Uh, My favorite news reporter is Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Just before the Sermon on the Mount, we're told Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. Now there's a very important distinction in this text. We're told Jesus teaches, uh, he gives instruction or advice on how to live, uh, but we're also told he preaches or he proclaims. Now, we often associate preaching with telling people what to do, but the word was not used that way in the first century. It was not even a religious word, it was a news word. Jesus went around telling people, proclaiming what had happened, news. Uh, And it was not just news, it was good news. The Greek word for this in the New Testament is euangelion. Uh, It's from a little particle, eu, um, eu that means good. Uh, eulogy, for example, is a, a good word. Uh, euphoria is a good feeling. Uh, Europe is good rope. <laughs> anyway, you is good. Uh, angelos, uh, which means messenger, we get our word angel from that. Uh, that's also where the word evangelical comes from. Uh, Evangelical is a word that has been trashed pretty bad in our day. Uh, True story, there's a denomination actually called the Evangelical Free Church. Uh, I attended Trinity Graduate School in Chicago. It's a seminary that's affiliated with the Evangelical Free Church. Well, a woman went to visit a church in Southern California that's part of the evangelical-free denomination. Uh, She didn't like evangelicals. Uh, She figured if a sugar-free soda is a drink with no sugar, if caffeine-free means it has no caffeine in it, then an evangelical-free church is a church with no evangelicals in it. Uh, Now, in the first century, evangel It just meant good news or gospel. That's what Jesus went around announcing. Now, the question is, uh, what is the good news Jesus went around announcing? It sounds like a simple question, but if someone were to ask you that, how would you respond? What would you say? What is the good news Jesus went around proclaiming? I'll tell you a deep personal conviction based on a lot of experience. I think the vast majority of people and the vast majority of churches in America, churches that teach the Bible, would not give the same answer to that question that the writers of scripture give. What is the good news Jesus went around proclaiming? I'm gonna read several verses of scripture. I'd like you to think about what the gospel is. Uh, Jesus had one message he came to proclaim. What was that one message? In Mark 1, 14 and 15, this is Mark's summary of Jesus's message. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. After Jesus chose his disciples, uh, he, he adopted a strategy to communicate the gospel to everyone he could. In Luke 8, 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. When he sent his disciples out uh, on a preaching mission, he sent them to proclaim just one message, Luke 9.1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. After Jesus rose from the dead, after the resurrection, he gathered his followers together and he spoke to them about one topic, Acts 1-3. He appeared to them, this was after his resurrection, over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. The very last glimpse we have of the early church in the book of Acts, the, the last verse of, uh, verse of the last chapter is of the Apostle Paul in chains in Rome. And Paul is proclaiming one truth, Acts 28, 31, boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God. So if you were gonna say what Jesus's gospel is about in one phrase, what would that one phrase be? The kingdom of God, right? More specifically, the only gospel Jesus came to proclaim is this, the kingdom of God, that is God's power and presence and reign, has now become available to ordinary people like you and me. You can live in it if you want to, you can walk right on in, anyone can. That's Jesus's gospel. It's the only gospel he ever preached. This is something I believe very deeply to be desperately tragic. Millions and millions of Christians in our day have substituted another gospel. Uh, They wouldn't put it in these words, but this is the gospel a lot of people just carry around with them in their minds. This is what they think. The gospel is the minimum entrance requirements for getting into heaven when you die. Uh, They really believe that the gospel is about the minimum entrance requirements that you need to have before you can get into heaven. Uh, The gospel is your, your ticket for getting in. That's it. They don't put it in those words, but that's it. I'll give you a little picture of this. A few years ago, when uh, Hamilton just came to San Francisco, some of our friends generously gave Kathy and me their tickets, uh, which were very difficult to get at the time. I think I remember the tickets selling for like over $1,000 a piece at the time. Well, we had tickets, which meant we were allowed to see the show. Uh, it didn't matter that we weren't wealthy. It didn't matter that we didn't have expensive jewelry or fancy clothes or a chauffeur to drop us off in front of the theater in our limo. Uh, we had tickets. Uh, we, they had to let us in to see the show. Well, a lot of people think of the gospel as the arrangement where you get a ticket so that you can get to heaven. Like They have to let you in when you get there. They think of the gospel as the announcement of the minimum entrance requirements, you know, what you have to believe or what you have to pray or do for getting into heaven when you die. The tragic result for millions of people who follow Christ is there's no connection uh, between this understanding of the gospel and their everyday life. And here's the problem if you read the Bible at all. Uh, where in the New Testament does Jesus ever say, "Now I'm going to tell you the minimum en- minimum entrance requirements for getting into heaven when you die." Where does Jesus ever say that? He never does. But in thousands of churches, that's the way the gospel is presented. I'm going to give you the minimum minimum entrance requirements so that you can get the heaven deal done. That's not Jesus's gospel. Here's Jesus's gospel. This is the uh, just a brilliant paraphrase of Mark 1 which summarizes his gospel. This is from Dallas Willard, who was I think the, the best writer in our day about the truth about the kingdom of God. This is just a pro- profound paraphrase of this passage. All the preliminaries have been taken care of and the kingdom of God is now accessible to everyone. Review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable opportunity. That's Jesus's gospel. All the preliminaries are taken care of. All the work that God has been doing in the people of Israel to shape an understanding of who he is and what his life is about, it's reached its full fulfillment in time. Now, God's reign, God's power, and God's presence are directly available to anyone who wants them. So repent, Jesus says, which is a word about the way you think, Uh, review your plans for living, think about it again, and believe, trust, risk your life, abandon your life, base your life on this remarkable opportunity. That's Jesus's gospel. Of course, Jesus's gospel includes the promise of uh, the forgiveness of sin as a gift of grace. Of course, Jesus's gospel includes the the promise that death will not have the last word, that our eternal life will be with God uh, and that, that it will never ever cease. Of course, Jesus' gospel includes these things, but it includes so much more than that. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. And so many people think the only real reason Jesus came to earth was just to die on the cross, and he was just kind of treading water until then. The truth is, Jesus' death on the cross was just one part of his mission. His overall mission was to bring the kingdom of God. In Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking to people who believe in God but are tempted to waste their life worrying about the same stuff that everyone else worries about. Uh, What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What am I gonna wear? Uh, What kind of job will I get? How much money will I make? How big of a house will I afford? Will I ever be successful? What kind of title will will I earn? How high up the ladder am I going to climb? Everything is about my little kingdom. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 32, for the pagans run after these things, And the irony is Christians who don't understand Jesus's gospel end up for all practical purposes, spending their lives running after the same things that people who don't know God run after. The pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then verse 33, but seek first his what? Kingdom and his righteousness, which simply means right living, the the wonderful living that characterizes the person in the realm of God. And all these things will be given to you as well. And then God will take care of everything else you need. I'm telling you, I mean, I will devote my life to this. Every breath that I've got, that we understand that Jesus had one gospel and his one gospel was the gospel of the availability of the kingdom. His one purpose was to model the kingdom, to manifest the reality of the kingdom in his life. His miracles weren't done simply to impress people, but were done to manifest the reality and the nature of the kingdom of God in this world. Jesus' one command to people was to seek first the kingdom. His one plan was for his church to extend the kingdom of God. Yet the tragic truth is millions of people today who claim to be Christians could not tell you what the kingdom is. So we're gonna be students of his kingdom for the next several months as we study the Sermon on the Mount. Um, That is what Jesus is after in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're gonna study it. We're gonna read about it. We're gonna pray about it. We're gonna think about it. We're gonna talk about it in small groups. Uh, We're gonna be obsessed with it. Uh, We're gonna get enamored with it. And then we're gonna devote our lives to it, living in it and extending it because it's the gospel. The kingdom of God is now available to ordinary people like you and me. Uh, You can live in it if you want to. And I wanna spend the rest of our time today talking about a basic understanding of the kingdom of God. And we'll get to that in just
1: a moment. If the kingdom of God is the core of the gospel message and a Christ-centered life, then we need to understand it. So this is what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks as we look at how Jesus defined the kingdom of God. We will be students of this kingdom and allow it to guide our lives. One of the most formative spiritual practices is Bible reading. And I want to challenge you as we begin this look at the Sermon on the Mount to read Matthew chapters 5 through 7 this week. Read it at least once or multiple times. If you want to journal your thoughts, write down what stands out to you or what questions you have. Maybe you like to highlight words or verses, or you simply want to sit with and meditate on what you've read. If you're not a reader, the Bible app will read it to you. Whatever your method, commit to spending time in these three chapters this week. In the weeks to come, consider taking shorter sections of it and sitting with those, asking God to meet you and speak to you through the passage. Let yourself soak in Jesus' words and become enamored with them. Who knows, you may even develop a new or more consistent habit. Let's rejoin Matt and continue our look at what this kingdom is. All right, now let's
0: talk about a basic understanding of the kingdom of God. Uh, This can be difficult to understand because we don't use the word kingdom much. So let's talk for a moment about what a kingdom is because we tend to think of kingdom as like thrones and castles. I wanna start by saying we all have a kingdom. Your kingdom is that little sphere in in which what you say goes. Uh, You see this way back in the book of Genesis, we're told, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. See, that's kingdom language, rule over. Uh, It can also be translated, let them have dominion or let them reign, let them have influence. That's part of being made in the image of God. Your kingdom is the place where you have dominion, starting with your body. Yeah, your body. <laughs> it's, it's what we see in little, a little child when they learn to walk and talk and say no. They're, they're learning that their body is their kingdom. And then there's the space around your body. Um, that's why if someone gets in your face, they violate your kingdom. Uh, and then your possessions, maybe your home. You know, when we lived in Sunol, uh, we would drive up to the top of Kilcare Road and we would hike the Pleasanton Ridge. And one time I was out by myself and a man came out of his house and asked what I was doing up there. Uh, he said it was private property. He started screaming at me about how I was on private property, his property, and he unleashed a barrage of profanity-laced hostility I could not believe. I mean, it was like pure venom. And I said to him, like, do you want a piece of me? Let's old man. <laughs> no, I didn't actually say that. I was more pastoral in my response. Um, here's the question though, in whose kingdom is that guy living? He's living in what might be called the kingdom of self. The idea is this is my little kingdom. My life is my kingdom. I'll guard it. I will not share it. If you violate my kingdom, I'll let you have it. I'll kill you maybe. I had trespassed his kingdom, see? Question, whose kingdom are you living in? Now, this is really important. You have a physical location. You have a physical home, and it determines your identity. People who work with identity will sometimes say, uh, geography is identity. Where you are determines who you are. Now, I've been to uh, Britain, but I'm not British. I'm Californian. Um, you have a spiritual location it's not physical but it's real you have a, a spiritual location and it's literally real now jesus says you can live in the kingdom of god you understand this is the greatest opportunity ever offered to the human race this is the greatest news in history. This is the news Jesus came to announce. He didn't just teach, he came to announce news. Now you can live in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, no one can threaten your ultimate well-being. In the kingdom of God, you have the abundance of heaven to support you, a flood of ideas and divine generosity. In the kingdom of God, you are never at ultimate risk. I mean, when that guy was yelling at me on that walk, I knew I was perfectly safe. Uh, One reason I knew that was he was in his early 80s and looked too weak to hit me with his walker. Uh, (laughs) The better reason I knew this is what Paul said, and this is just literally true. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Notice this, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now what Jesus talks about as the kingdom of God, uh, the apostle Paul describes with the phrase in Christ. Uh, He uses that phrase uh, 164 times. To be in Christ is to be in his kingdom to be in his presence, his power and his favor. You see, this is what the news that makes all of the Sermon on the Mount uh, so good and so true. The reason you can turn to the, turn the other cheek is you live in the kingdom of God where justice is ultimately assured and will win because of God. The reason you cannot worry about tomorrow is your tomorrow is in the hands of the, the king. The reason you can, uh, you can store up treasures in heaven through generosity is the abundance of heaven belongs to your father. You see, Jesus isn't just some guru who walked around making up pretty sayings out of nowhere. He is absolutely brilliant. He's the smartest man who ever lived. And the brilliance of his teaching rests on truths of his news. So what kingdom are you living in? So we all live in a kingdom. And here, our little kingdoms of self get all junked up by sin. Now on this earth, all those little kingdoms, yours and mine, they merge and they intersect and they form larger kingdoms, uh, neighborhoods, corporations, nations, uh, and economic, political and cultural systems. Kingdoms are systems of personal power That's very important. Kingdoms are systems of personal power. Uh, We might call that whole collection of kingdoms, all of our merged kingdoms, the kingdom of the earth, to use biblical language. Now let's do a study in contrast for a moment. Jesus says, on the one hand, there is this domain called the kingdom of God. It exists right now. It's this sphere in which Things happen just the way God wants them to happen. Uh, Paul writes, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of legalistic rules about what you eat and drink, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. That's God's kingdom. Then there's the kingdom of earth. Question, how are things going on the kingdom of the earth? (laughs) Not so good. I mean, check out the news wherever you get your news. COVID, the, the Taliban takes over Afghanistan, inflation, shortage, uh, supply shortages, tornadoes ripping through uh, the Midwest, devastating storms and horrendous loss, racism, uh, political polarization. I mean, we're not even sure that we can trust the news to tell us the news or if we're just getting their spin on the news. Well, Jesus had a plan. He's bringing up there, down here you may know the most famous prayer in history is called the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll actually get to it in the study. And often we think we know it, but we actually don't. There's Jesus's news in it that we haven't really thought about. Ken Davis writes about a uh, chapel service for the Chicago Bears back in the 80s when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, their coach, Mike Dicka, asked Refrigerator Perry, a great big lineman, to say the Lord's Prayer. Uh, The Bears quarterback, Jim McMahon, uh, said to the chaplain, there's no way the fridge knows the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I bet you 50 bucks the fridge does not know the Lord's Prayer. And the chaplain thought, it's kind of a weird thing to bet on the Lord's Prayer, but okay. Uh, Everyone closed their eyes and the fridge began to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Uh, Jim McMahon shook his head, handed the money over to the chaplain. I was sure he didn't know the Lord's Prayer. A lot of people have heard the Lord's Prayer, but never thought about this part of it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the place where God has influence, where he rules and reigns, where uh, his will is done. And many people in the church, th- church think the gospel prayer is, God help me get out of here so that I can go up there when I die. But Jesus didn't say to pray that. He said to pray, God make up there, come down here. And not just that, Jesus said it's already begun. The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus said the good news is breaking news, the time has come. How did the time come? Like what's happened? How is it the world is different today than it was yesterday? Of course, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is here. That's why the time has come. This is an audacious claim. Jesus is the kingdom bringer in his body. Do you understand? In his life, in his words, in his healing, which is the central part of his ministry because it's bringing God's peace, shalom, in his death and his resurrection up there is coming down here. This is the most audacious claim in human history. The king is here and he's here without an ego. He's here in humility, a carpenter, a servant. He's not on a throne, but on a cross. And then he gives the Sermon on the Mount. And this year, Uh, 2022, uh, we're gonna seek to master it and to be mastered by it. Uh, Something I learned this week, according to Gallup, more than half half of Christians uh, don't know who taught the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not kidding. In one poll, 12% of people polled thought it was called the Sermon on the Mount because it was delivered on horseback. (laughs) Who taught the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus taught it. How important is it? This is from a Harvard professor, Harvey Cox. It is the most luminous, most quoted, most analyzed, most contested, most influential moral and religious discourse in all of human history. Why? Because he got lucky? Because he was in the zone? Because he was a good motivational speaker? No. The Sermon on the Mount is not general moral advice to be nice to each other. It's not a series of random, lovely sayings by a guru. It's not a list of rules. It is a bold, brilliant, fearless, life-transforming trumpet blast to come join the King Jesus in his divine conspiracy to bring up there, down here, and redeem the world. The question is, Will the gospel of Jesus become your gospel? Now, if you wanna respond to Jesus' gospel to make him your king, uh, you make him the Lord of your life. You make him your friend and your forgiver. Uh, You do not respond by saying, Jesus, I'd like to use your death as my ticket to heaven, but I think I'll stay in charge of my own life, thank you. You repent, Jesus says. Now, repent does not mean feel badly. It's primarily a thinking word. Literally, it's from the Greek word for mind. Revise your strategy for living in light of the most remarkable opportunity. You can become a disciple of Jesus. You know, Dallas Willard said, a disciple of Jesus is one who practices his presence and arranges his or her life in such a way as to live as Christ would live if he were them. You see, as a church, we exist for one reason, without apology, we exist to make disciples, to lead everyone into Christ-centered living. The idea behind the Sermon on the Mount is we actually do the stuff Jesus told us to do with his constant presence in our lives and his gracious help in our lives. And when you do that, up there is coming down here. Every time you're angry, and you're tempted by revenge, but instead you turn the other cheek, up there is coming down here. That's why he said to do it. Every time you're tempted to enrich your little kingdom, pile up more stuff, but instead through generosity, you store up treasure in heaven, which by the way are not just for when you die, it's like around us right now, it's real. Up there is coming down here. Every time you're tempted to judge, but you judge not, up there is coming down here. Every time you break through selfishness and let your light so shine that people see your good deeds, up there is coming down here. Every time you're tempted to make your life about a better lifestyle, but instead you consider the lilies of the field who live in the kingdom of God and you trust God, up there is coming down here. Every time you do unto others what you would have others do to you, every time you let your yes be yes and your no be no, every time you give in secret, every time you pray for daily bread for you and for others every time you ask every time you seek every time you knock up there is coming down here it's happening as he said it would we are not consumers of christianity waiting to leave here and go up there we are followers of jesus helping up there come down here and so i want to invite you to live as a disciple of jesus as a follower of him I wanna invite you to begin now to read through the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna immerse ourselves in it. It's in Matthew five through seven. We're gonna sit at Jesus's feet and we will learn what Jesus taught and we will ask for his presence and we will do what Jesus says and up there is going to come down here. All right, let me pray for you and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, would you help us throughout this series to learn more about your kingdom, and not just to learn and have it affect our mind, but I pray that it would affect our reality, that it would break into our own little kingdoms that we live in, that your truth would penetrate our lives, and that it would affect the way that we actually live our lives. God, help us to to become more and more like you throughout this series. God, help us to, like Dallas Willard said, help us to do the things that you would do if you were in our place. God, would you lead us through this series, um, grow us, help us to uh, live more into your kingdom and uh, to experience more of the life you have for us. We know it's uh, it's gonna be so great, so we look forward to it, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And We hope to see you on Sunday soon.